0: Bruce Waller, where I'm getting to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our communities. What did they do to get started and how are they continuing to accelerate as leaders? And today, I'm getting uh, to talk to another special guest. Her name is Christy Leinbarger. She is the manager of talent acquisition at Match Group. And it has seemed like forever since I've seen you. So I'm so glad to have you on the show today, Christy.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see your face and just connect with you.
0: It's great to see you too. I was actually, uh, we were just talking offline. The last time I actually got to see you in person, a uh, LinkedIn Live came to Dallas and it was such a fun, inspirational event. And that was incredible. And that, that, was, uh, that was the last time I got to see you.
1: I know. We talked about how much life has changed since then.
0: It has. We're going to get into that. So, um, So you're working for Match Group. Uh, that's one of the things that's changed, and I would love for you to just, just kind of start the show and just share a little bit about Match Group and, and how you serve your customers.
1: Sure, absolutely. So I am relatively new to um, to Match Group. I've been there about seven months now. And um, so Match Group really is the leader in online dating products. So we pioneered online dating 25 years ago with Match.com. Um, And then, you know, really the company has just grown tremendously over the last 25 years with products that we've built in-house like Tinder um, and then other companies that we've purchased along the way like Hinge, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish. Um, But I, I love the mission of this company. The mission is to spark meaningful relationships for every single person in the world.
0: Oh man, I love that. First of all, when you say mission... Uh, that tells me a lot right there—a mission-driven organization—and then when you're talking about not just a few relationships, but all over the world, I mean that's that's pretty cool.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So, uh, I, and I want to talk about uh, Match Group. I want to talk about your role there because you have been a, an incredible recruiter for many, many years, and so I want to I want to talk about that. But I to I want to just start. I wanna start just sharing your story and that is the Christy Linebarger story. And I would love for you to share like, where did you grow up and how in the world did you get into HR and talent acquisition?
1: It's such a great question. I love to ask my candidates this question as well because I think a lot of people maybe don't seek out what they end up being in life. It kind of finds them and that was the case for me. So um, I grew up an Air Force brat. We moved everywhere. Um, My favorite place was Hawaii that we lived, we actually lived there twice and then I ended up graduating high school in Tokyo, Japan. Um, But my parents were both from Texas so I knew that I, um, you know, had a a little Texan inside of me and so I ended up at Baylor, met my husband there. but before we even you know decided to get married or make that official um, I ended up in recruiting because at Baylor I had been very involved in student activities and our student activities board and um, that led me into my very first job at Houston Baptist University where I was an admissions counselor and recruiter and from there that I kind of got my Put in the door and corporate recruiting. Um, and then Chris and I decided to get married. I moved to Dallas and ended up in technical recruiting of all things. I, I remember calling him one day saying, what's the difference between a PC and a mainframe? They're asking me these questions. I don't know. Um, but So I learned a lot and ended up on the first uh, technical recruiting team at Southwest Airlines.
0: That's hilarious whenever, you, whenever you're talking about, hey, I'm in this new field, okay? We know what recruiting is, but it's so different depending on the industry. That That's great.
1: It is, and a, a little unknown fact, my dad ended up retiring as the director of advertising for the Air Force. But his very first job in the Air Force was as a recruiter. So he will take the credit for giving me like the genes for recruiting.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that is fantastic. Okay, one of the things I've enjoyed so much about connecting with podcast uh, guests is I get to learn something about uh, all of my guests. And many of my guests I I know personally. And so I did not uh, realize that... um, uh, you met your husband at Baylor. I knew you went to Baylor, but you met your husband at Baylor. And I met my wife uh, at the University of Central Oklahoma. So we have that common thread there. So that, that's very cool.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, we, we laugh because my husband, while he's American, he grew up in Taiwan, and I grew up in Tokyo. So we always are so thankful for kind of the geographically confused person that introduced us who said, you're from Taiwan and you're from Japan. Do you know each other? <laughs> we were like, no. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh um, my
0: God. That's, that's fantastic. Okay. So you, you're recruiting now you're, you're with, you're with match group. Um, and so, and, but you've been doing this for a long time. I mean, your, your father ended up recruiting, um, when did you, like, was there, like, a moment when you knew that, you know what, I just, like, I love this so much. Was there a moment you found your lane?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think I started my career in recruiting kind of thinking, first of all, it was just a personality job. Like, I, I just, um I was just in that job because I knew how to talk to people, but I really had gotten the impression that recruiting was just a stepping stool to get into HR. Like, if you're serious about your career, you're going to move on from recruiting and do something bigger and better. Um, And it really was when I was at Southwest Airlines that it dawned on me one day how incredibly fortunate I was to be there. Um, You know, Southwest has just always had a reputation for great company culture and Um, so many people have knocked on that door and very few have gotten the opportunity to work there. And I, I think it just dawned on me one day how fortunate I was. And then I realized like, this is a big deal. It's like a privilege and a responsibility to be a recruiter because really we are in the position, we're matchmakers, you know, here I'm working for this um i'm working for match i'm working for this online dating company but i mean we really are matchmakers and really the result of that is that we're helping people first of all find work which is so meaningful secondly we help people really find things that are fulfilling to them and then you know last i would say that i've worked at some really i I mean i've been very fortunate to work at some amazing companies where people Um, are inspired by the work that's being done. And so I think it really, when that dawned on me, that was the moment that I'm like, this is not a stepping stone. Like, this is my calling. And so I think when you realize that something is a calling versus, you know, what you're doing to pay the bills or, you know, buy shoes or whatever you do, um, it's it's a pretty transformational moment. And it completely changed the way I looked at my job.
0: You know, uh, <clears throat> I've always admired your your leadership, and you've you've always been very inspiring. And I think one of the things, as I'm, I'm I'm having a conversation with you now, you talk about Southwest Airlines, and I always use them as an example for great culture because I always have a great experience uh, there, and I, I've I've been able to you know tour the facility before, so I know I know that's great culture. You also worked for Fossil uh, for for a few years as well, and you actually gave me a tour. Uh, through Fossil, so back when we first met uh, years ago, and I remember how, like, inspiring that was. You were just so immersed in the organization, and I think it goes back to what we talked about at the very start. It's about mission-driven organizations and how they're so easily easily to recognize, but at the moment, like at Southwest, you didn't realize at the time the power, like the the, uh, uh, the, the importance of being part of that.
1: Absolutely. And I will say, you know, whether you're a recruiter, any job that you sit in, when you start looking at the big picture and you start looking at the impact your job makes, it is transformational. It will change the way that you do things because no longer is it the task that you've been given to do or what you just show up and do every day, but you realize why you're making the company better and why you're an important part in what you do. And that was something at Fossil that we emphasized a lot. It's not just what you do, it's why you're doing it and how we do it. Um, yeah, Fossil, yeah, just another incredibly mission-driven company that I was so fortunate to work for for almost yeah. nine years.
0: Yeah, that, that that's fantastic. I actually had, um, I was actually thinking about a couple of guests when you were speaking just now. Uh, Annie Carolla, who, um, is the director of global global talent acquisition at HKS. She talked about the importance of immersing yourself into the organization, really taking ownership of that, so you can like transcend those feelings. So that w- when you're recruiting, but I was also thinking about you were just talk- talking about culture. I was thinking about Adrienne Court. She talked about you know the importance of thinking, acting, and connecting. Uh, mm-hmm. to, that that makes up that culture, and that, that that's absolutely terrific. I, I wanna I wanna just I wanna talk about. Um, you know, you've been, you've been recruiting, you know, for, for a long time and I would love to like, you know, you're, you're talking about you've, you found your lane, you know why you enjoy it. I want to, uh, I want to ask you a few questions. Uh, one of the questions is, have you found yourself like, have you had to change? I mean, we're, we're recording this present, uh, this uh, conversation in October. It's going to be played in November of 2020. So we're, we're seven, eight months into to COVID. Have you uh, seen yourself have to change the way you've recruited in 2020?
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, I I think the whole world has changed and it's interesting because, and, and I joined MATCH during quarantine. So here we are, November, 2020, I started in April. I have never set foot in a room with my hiring managers. Um, I am managing a team of people I've never met in person. So, you know, I, I think you do have to adjust. I think there's, um, you have to be a whole lot more deliberate because you're not getting those conversations in the office with hiring managers. You don't get those drive-bys. You don't, you know, I don't have those kind of impromptu conversations with my team. So I make a lot of notes, I make sure I know, you know, exactly what I need to talk to people about, but I really have to engage and be so much more deliberate. Um, I think also, you know, I think my team, because they have been at Match for a while, in talking to candidates about the company, they were talking about what it used to be like. And I kind of just had to say, we we need to stop that because it's Mm. never going to be like that again. Um, You know, you're not going to come into the facility and have an on-site interview. The facility, while the match facility is amazing, it's not as relevant anymore. Um, You know, these happy hours and these gatherings, we have them all virtually now. So we have to think of a new way of um, connecting people to our company. Um, You know, and, and another thing's happened that, you know, while we're going through this shift with COVID, we socially have gone through a major shift this year as well. There's so much political unrest, so much social unrest. And I think all of these things have made people really dig down deep and say, what's important to Mm me? You know, so when we're talking to candidates, a lot of people make reference to how simple life is now because there's no crazy morning commute. There's no rushing home to get their kids to eight different activities. Um, There's kind of a simplicity in life and people are asking more about what's important. And so we as recruiters have had to do that for our company as well and figure out, okay, we don't have the building anymore. We don't have the happy hours anymore. How do we connect what we're doing the mission of our company and the people that we work with and how do we tell that story in a virtual world? So yeah, it's, it's been a lot of shifting and I, I think we have to keep moving forward that life is never going to be the same. Recruiting will never be the same because the workplace will never be the same.
0: I love how you uh, shared, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about we've hit the pause button and start asking the question, uh, What's important. I always like to use the, the acronym when I heard it from Lou Holtz many years ago. What's important now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been kind of going through the same thing. And, and so uh, you talked about something that um, I, I want to hit on real quick. And that is uh, a, a different way of interviewing right? People aren't coming into the office, sitting down, you're getting them a a drink and having that interview in person. You're, you're doing a lot of video interviews. One of the ways that our company Armstrong relocation um, has shifted is we're, we're also uh, doing virtual surveys. So when a family needs to relocate, uh, we're basically connecting pretty much like FaceTime. What's interesting about it is that this platform has been available for several years. Uh, But our customers said, hey, no, we want you going out to the home. We want you connecting. And then today we're like, nope, we don't want you going out to the home. We want you virtually. So uh, for you, uh, I'm thinking that recruiters have had this technology kind of similar uh, story, right? You've had the technology for a while and now all of a sudden you're like, hey, I've got to use it. what's, What's that shift been
1: like? So, I actually love it because, you know, having been in the field for a long time, meeting face to face, talking on the phone, that human connection um, is something that seems very old school. Like, I really do think in the last decade, more and more recruiters just text and email. And so, I've kind of seen that loss of person to person connection. And so, I think a silver lining for us in this. Whole pandemic um, when we're talking about recruiters is that we have pushed the reset button and we're we've kind of gone old-school um, and so now having zoom it's like when you take that opportunity to connect with people face-to-face when you take that away people crave it more and so it's funny because I think from a recruiting perspective we've seen a jump in this connection not the emailing not the texting anymore and now we zoom and, um, it, you know, I, I think it's kind of bringing back the human element and the human connection.
0: Yeah. I will tell you, whenever I get on a call, many times I'll turn my camera on and you know, it, it may be like a conference call. Maybe there's three or four people. And all of a sudden I'll see three other people on there don't have their cameras on and I turn it off. And I'm like, so, so it's a conference call, but it just doesn't feel the same. Like when you popped on, when you turned your camera on, oh my gosh, I had a I got chills. I was like, oh my gosh, there she is. Um, so that that was that was exciting. I, I would love to ask you this. Um, so you know, I always like to, you know, kind of pull in like what's a good recruiter look like, but what I want to, I wanna like even uh move that even further and say, what does a recruiter need to do today to be even a better recruiter when it comes, I mean, do they need to learn technology? Do they need to, what do, What are some of the things that you've seen that really good recruiting, what, what's that look like?
1: Yeah. Um, Gosh, I think I could go on for an hour. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that we have to always think about the human connection. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because, you know, I, I feel like recruiters feel like technology is going to take over their job um, with the introduction of, you know, AI and so much technology that assists us. But I, man, I'm thinking if you have the person-to-person interaction that you're supposed to have as a good recruiter, technology will never take your job away. Um, And so I think, you know, really kind of digging in, um, getting beyond the checklist of your job posting and your job description. Somebody gives you a resume, so you know going into your conversations what somebody's done and where their skills are. You don't have to review that you know, with them, use your time to really get to know people, understand their story, understand the way they think, understand the situations that they've been in where they have succeeded and failed. Um, Really, you know, understand who they are, so that when you're going back to your hiring manager, you can tell the story about that person. I think you really have to get into, you know, kind of what, what's fulfilling to them. And get into the emotion of the fit and, and the match, not just do the skills align, you know? I, I, yeah. love, what, I love what
0: you said, getting, getting beyond, like that human connection, getting to know that person. I, lo- I absolutely love that. I, I was just, I, I'm curious, um, I see on LinkedIn, <clears throat> uh, I see a lot of candidates starting to make videos. And not just videos about, hey, I'm Bruce, I'm looking for a job. More videos about, it's almost like education. It's almost like uh, trying to inspiring the group. Do you ever, you, or do you think recruiters in general, do you think that that makes traction for them to get visibility uh, when it comes to uh, being on social, especially videos? What are your thoughts around that?
1: You know, it's not something that we've launched into, I, you know, I think there are a lot of differing opinions about videos, um, because there are things that are very um, upfront about a candidate in terms of maybe, you know, gender, gender identity, appearance, things like that, that I think still we're kind of wrestling with um, in in recruiting, because I think you really want to take a lot of bias away, um, and seeing somebody sometimes can bring bias into Mm. your decisions. So I think that's probably why there's still not a huge adoption of video um, at this time. The thing that I do think is good though, is storytelling on a Mm. candidate side. We talk a lot about storytelling um, from a recruiter's side, employer branding, how do we tell our story? But if I could preach a message to everyone who's looking for a job, it would be about storytelling. Um, I, I had a, a call earlier today with somebody whose resume was just trying to be all things to all people, mm-hmm. and and in that attempt, totally didn't tell a story of where his passion or his experience lies. And so, you know, I I think tell your story and. I, I think there's still a lot of comfort just with the traditional resume, but do it in a way where a recruiter wants to hear more where they understand how you brought value and how you brought impact um, In the jobs that you've had. Um, I would also say, you know, You know, just from a candidate perspective, you should craft a new resume for every job that you're applying for because Every company is looking for something a little bit different from you. And if you have a generic resume, you're not able to tell that company your story. Um, that, and if you ask 10 people, you may get 10, 10 opinions on that. But, you know, I, want to, I really want to know somebody in context of the job that they're applying for. So I want to see a resume that really tells the story and maybe they send a video too. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I love everything you said about that. And I, I'm all about storytelling. So, so if someone, uh, so they craft a resume and they say, Hey, I've, I've done X, Y, and Z at at this company, try to figure out a way to, how do you tell that story? Right. The, the, the bullet points kind of weave that into a story. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I've talked a lot about matchmaking and dating. So let's take like an online dating profile. I haven't personally put one together, but I have a lot of friends who have and obviously I'm working for a company that's um, that revolves around that. So, you know, I think when you're putting a dating profile together, you want somebody to kind of imagine the type of person you are. So you don't just say went to school here. I did this. I make this much money. I work here you put your personality in there. It's the words that you use. And, you know, I think in a resume, not just talking about what you did, but why is the company better for you being there? What's the impact? Going back to kind of that overall mission and how you fit into the big picture, what you did, why you did it, how you did it. I think it brings importance to the work. It's not just a list of bullet points of systems you've used or skills that you've um, gained. It, it's really how you brought value to what you did.
0: I absolutely love that. I appreciate you sharing because you just shared that in a story, right? You said, hey, let's look at let match group and, and, and matchmaking. I love that. Um, so, okay, so I'm, I'm going to just do one more follow-up question to this because I, I think right now is a time that I think anyone that is actually in transition or thinking about it, they're going to get a lot of value out of this. And I, I'm just curious, is there something that, or, or is it the, just a story, but is there something that candidates could do or should do uh, to get attention, to get people to see that, that resume? Uh, is, are there any strategies that, that they could think about there?
1: You know, I, and so I'm going to talk out of the other side of my mouth, because I do think that keywords are really important as well. And I think a lot of ATSs will rank resumes based on keywords. So take this for how I mean it. It's important that the keywords on your resume align with what the keywords are in a job posting. I don't think that should be your crutch or what you rely on, but the more relevance you have in your resume, a lot of times ATSs or Other systems, we use Eightfold um, at Match Group. It's gonna make somebody come across as a more attractive or more relevant candidate. Um, You know, I also think use LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say and there's a caveat to that. I love when people apply for a job online and then they reach out and say, hey, I saw this position. I know you're recruiting there. This is why I'm interested in the role. Please take a look at my resume. Because that's just one step further. That, to me, shows that someone's really interested. Um, and I also know that they've gone ahead and submitted their resume. So a lot of the questions that they need to answer when they apply online, I know that they will have already answered those, versus pitching a resume on LinkedIn. Hey, you know, call me when you can. Let's talk about this job. Um, and then if I'm not working on the position, I'll always fall forward those messages to the appropriate recruiter, where I think it crosses a line. And, and I know that you've probably seen this as well is somebody that will submit a resume and then they will reach out to, you know, 25 people mm-hmm. at that company. Um, and then it's just a little obnoxious because then you're having to like filter all of these, you know, forwarded LinkedIn messages. So, you know, I would say there's a delicate balance there, but go that extra mile. Um, If you, you know, look and see who do you know at that company or who do you know that knows someone at that company and try to get a connection, not, you know, really just to show your interest, take that next step. I think that's important.
0: These are some great tips. And this is exactly why I wanted to bring you on the show today. You're an expert. I will tell you that um, these will help. Uh, but they won't necessarily get you the job. You, you've got to do it all. Like these are all, Hey, these are all little steps that le- will lead to the big step. Right.
1: True.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Hey, I'm curious. So uh, you've been, like I said, you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, very, very, very uh, experienced. Did you have any like share like a little bit about your, your mentors on your journey? Have you had some mentors that have helped you along the way?
1: You know, I've been so fortunate to have a lot of people that have poured into me and um, just, I think, given me the confidence that this is where I'm meant to be. Maybe that, um, you know, j- just that feedback that this is what you were made to do. Um, I will say that probably the most impactful mentor that I have had is his name's Jose Colmenares and I worked for him at Southwest Airlines. Um, So no coincidence that when I had this epiphany of my calling as a recruiter, he was there and he was um, an amazing guide for me in that transformation, Um, really just let me run with things and kind of introduced me to candidate experience. I don't even know that we used that phrase way back then, but, you know, really um, how we treated our candidates and constant communication and the experience we set up for them, but also on the hiring manager side, because that's a big part of our jobs as recruiters as well. It's not just creating this experience for our candidates, but It's really creating an experience and giving guidance to our hiring managers as well. And so when I had thoughts or intuition or feedback, he really kind of gave me the license to go have some hard conversations with hiring managers and, you know, kind of talked me through that. So I would say that, you know, his mentorship was kind of the kickstart for me because he realized this is her calling. Let's figure out how to catapult this. Um, I would also say that my good friend, Rachel Blanton, who I worked with at Fossil for eight years, and I'm working with her at Match Now, she's been a huge inspiration to me as well. I'm a I'm an idea person. I'm a feeler. Um, Rachel has this incredible balance of like art and science when it comes to recruiting, she can kind of put the logic and the data and analytics behind everything, and so I think in that way, she's been a big inspiration to me to not just stay in that emotion, but use data and insights to really, um, you know, help drive where our areas of focus should be, kind of more of the logic, if I guess I could say it that way
0: oh my gosh that is so fantastic i love how you not only shared uh who your mentors were but you shared like how they helped you i was actually thinking about what's his name jose what was Jose? jose um whenever he said uh when he's talking you're you're talking about the uh, the candidate experience and um the importance of having those conversations with hiring managers i was thinking about tony bridwell he's one of my guests uh on an earlier podcast he said the customer experience will never exceed the employee experience. And he was Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, not only your external customers, but those internal customers like the hiring manager. So, so important, right?
1: That's true. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. That's, that's terrific. I love that. I love it. I want to, I want to shift real quick here. Um, We're we're talking about, you know, you're, you know, recruiting, you're leading teams. I want to talk about leading Christy. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, leadership's every day, and so I would love if you could just, uh, what I like to do is I like to just, for the for the viewers and listeners, I want to see if I can pull out something that you do in your daily practice, your daily discipline every day that helps keep you on track. Um, so can you share maybe one or two things that you do every day, <laughs> or, or is today different <laughs> than pre-COVID? You know,
1: I, I wish that I, you know, had <laughs> something, um, you know, some kind of epiphany to share, you know, it's been interesting because it used to be that every day I would listen to a book going to work Um, and, you know, something that would kind of help develop me. It made the commute pass. I'm missing that part of my life right now, but I will say in COVID, I get up and I get dressed every morning, which, you know, I think it's more than my husband does. I'll tell you that. Like I don't come to work in my pajama pants. Um, I don't dress from here up. I fully get dressed and, and maybe that's a little thing, but I think, you know, for me that, um, that puts me in the frame of mind also, um, you know, just to have a productive day. I, I will be very honest with you. And maybe you know this about me, Bruce, I am not a morning person. At all. Um, I, I, It takes me until about 10 o'clock to really be ready to talk to people. Um, So I really block out my mornings. I block out my morning until 9.30 every morning. And what that does is it just gives me my coffee time, I'm reading the news, I'm looking at LinkedIn, I'm catching up on emails, I'm planning for the day, I'm catching up on Slack messages. Not that I can't jump in and do something if something, you know, needs to be done, but for me, it's my awake time. And then, and then I'm ready to take on the day. Um, I think also like, I, I'm very easily distracted. Um, and so I put time on my calendar, like my whole calendar is blocked out every day with things that need to be done just to make sure that I have devoted time. And I try to start my morning with the things that I like the least. Like, I don't love the administrative side of, you know, having an ATS or, you know, some of those more um, kind of day-to-day administrative tasks. So I dedicate time to those early in the morning. So they get done and they get out of the way. And then it's just, you know, the stuff I love the rest of the day. I, I don't know that that's like, life-changing, but that's just me.
0: Well, and you know, I, I think what uh, the, the, what I've heard and, and a common thread is that it doesn't matter if you're a morning person or a late person, what matters is that you have a system. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you have, you, you block time. And uh, David Wendley, um, he is the uh, CEO for IQ Talent Partners, he's chairman of the Sharon board. He talked about the importance of that time block And, and I'll tell you, sometimes I find myself, I'll catch myself getting in a little trouble because I'll have all my time blocked. I'm very good at planning. Very good. But then someone (laughs) says, Hey, can we take off? Sure. And next thing you know, I'm back to back to back to back to back and I get done and I'm, I'm burnt. And so you have to be very uh, cognizant of that. And it sounds like you do a really good job uh, of the time block. And, And I love how you talk about, um, self-awareness. You know, you talked about being distracted, but what you're saying is basically, I know who I am. I I get up, it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, I I put things on my calendar. And I think that that's one of the most important things we can all have today is self-awareness, knowing who we are and what makes us go.
1: Absolutely. And one other thing that I would add, and this is kind of, this has been a great silver lining in COVID. So my youngest daughter is a fourth grader. She's back at school now. She is as social as her mother and needs to be around friends. <laughs> um, but I, sh- she's at a school about two minutes away. I block my calendar every day to go pick her up from school. And to me that it is just like, I, I'm like getting emotional about it. To me, it's just been the greatest thing that I get to do. And I will turn down meetings during that time, because I'm like, this is something that I as a mom get to do that I've never gotten to do before. And so I think, you know, having having some non-negotiables on your schedule, mm. that for me is one of them. I don't take a break for lunch. You know, we, we power through a, a very full day, but I go pick up that baby girl at school every day. So for me, that's it has been a, a really neat thing to block on my calendar.
0: So I, I've got two things to say. Number one is what a gift, what a gift that is. Yeah. Uh, but number two is the importance of priorities, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it gets really, I mean, it all comes down to our choices, right? We all have the same amount of time. We decide how we're going to spend that time um, and, and having that self-awareness, having that, those priorities and those values, that allows us to know where where to use that time, and then lastly, the discipline, the time block. To okay, I'm blocking here, and then I'm I'm going to pick her. I'm blocking here. Having that discipline, uh, and I think that's what's helped you uh, be su- successful as you are today. And so, uh, man, this like you you start out by saying, "I don't know if this is." Imp-. Listen, that is impacting and so good. I appreciate you sharing that. I wanna I wanna ask you before we. Uh, dive into some of the acceleration questions. I want to ask you, have you ever been given, and and you've given some great advice today, but have you ever been given some advice that was so good that you always find yourself sharing that with others?
1: Yeah, I, I honestly think the best advice that I was given early in my career was Say yes to everything that's handed to you and and take that for how I mean it. Like, I think there are things that we shy away from because we don't think we're ready for them or we've never done that before, or that's maybe a higher level than, you know, what I feel like I'm capable of. But if somebody believes in you and says, would you consider doing this, whether it's a leadership opportunity or a project to work on? or a new position to recruit for? I just, I think the answer is yes, because that's how we grow and that's how we stretch ourselves and learn new things about ourselves. I think it also puts us in a position where we rely on each other. And I, I, I think a lot of times people are afraid to ask questions or to get help. Um, but when you're growing and you're learning something new or you're doing something that's a little out of your comfort zone, you form these great relationships with people because you are asking questions and leaning on others who are experts and they just, you know, that, that's how you grow. I would say that's the best advice that I was given.
0: That's incredible advice. I will tell you that uh, I was part of the Dallas HR mentorship program for the last few years and, and one of my mentees, uh, her name is Morgan and she was looking for an internship, and she was looking for something specific. I can't remember exactly employee relations or a specific area, and she said, hey, I, I got it. got an opportunity, but I don't know if I'm going to take it, and it's in recruiting, and she said, I, I don't really know if I really want recruiting. I said, say yes, because that's going to shape you. It's going to let you see what it looks like in the front uh, along the way, so when you said that, it's like, and and she did that. She she accepted the position and she had a great experience. And now she's doing something different. I said it's going to help you like continue to round round yourself.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe it's not what you marry yourself to, right? I mean, not every date you go out on ends up to be the one. Um, but you learn a lot about life and you learn about yourself along the way. So good. Oh, yay, Morgan.
0: Yeah. That yeah is fantastic. I will tell you when you when you talk about dating, I. Uh, you know, and match group, I will tell you that uh, my uh, oldest son met his wife online. And it it just seems like that's just it just that's a really very common way to meet people. And so talking to you today, this is so cool. Okay, so I listen, me and you took a tour uh, around and we had the best time and we talked and talked and talked and talked. Um, and, and I could do this all day long. So I want to shift real quick to, it's time to accelerate. And this is uh, a time where I ask my guests some, just some fun questions to get to, to get to know you a little bit more. The first question I have for you, Christy is, uh, would you rather read a book or would you rather listen to a podcast?
1: Um, I, I definitely would rather, well, can I answer in the middle? Because I yes. love books, but I always listen to them. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, Audible. But yes, for I sure. I'm an
1: Audible junkie. I really am.
0: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. You know, I was uh, listening to something yesterday. I cannot remember the show. And they said that Audible or, or uh, Kindles and Audibles have now passed uh, consumers purchasing b- the, the hardback cover books. Yeah, because now they can take many on the plane with them, right?
1: Absolutely. Well, and and again, you know, I don't have my uh, very long commute anymore. So I'm missing out on a lot of my Audible time. If there's a book that I fall in love with on Audible, I actually go buy um, the, you know, the hardback book. Um, But I, you know, I love where I can do two things at once. I can, you know, be doing laundry or be on my commute or, you know, be at the grocery store. And reading reading a book.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Any uh any favorites or any favorites that you've read this year?
1: Um, so I'm actually I actually have a book right here with me. Um ironically, it's called The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker, which is ironic because we're not doing a lot of gathering. But this book, this is like my soulmate and book form, um, really about why we get together and what happens when we get together and as a perpetual hostess, what the job is as the person who's bringing people together, both in like a social setting or in a professional setting, when you are hosting a meeting, what needs to happen. So I'm loving this book. Um, But you know that I also have an all-time favorite book as well, which is funny because I know you have it and I have it as well, which is by Donald Miller called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And it's a book that I will, I read it at least once a year.
0: You know, it's funny you said that. We, we got on earlier. So, so for those that are uh, listening, uh, she just held up a book, Donna Miller, um, thousand miles, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And that's one of the things that was so inspiring uh, when I met Krista. And I think we met actually at the T R N. Recruiter of the Year awards. I think that's it. we may have met before then, but that's a, that's the time I remember. That was memorable time. And you sent me this book, and I'm gonna also hold up the same book because I got it out. And I was thinking, you know what? If she's that inspiring, and she sent me this book, I'm going to read this book. And it was like one of the most inspiring books I've ever. And so I also will um, recommend that to others when someone says, "Hey, I'm looking for a new book to read." I always recommend that book, too, because I just remember at the time, and I read a lot of leadership books, but that book took me to another place, a place mm-hmm. of peace.
1: Yeah.
0: That was yeah, so cool. I love it. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny that we both had <laughs> had that book right there. Okay.
1: Um, I want to I
0: ask a question. And uh, typically, you know, I, was, I had favorite food here, but I want to go a little bit beyond that. This <laughs> is going to be uh, aired in November and uh, it's Mm -hmm. a time of Thanksgiving, and and one of the things I would love, yes, I want to know what's a favorite food like during Thanksgiving, but also would love to ask you, uh, what's something you're grateful for?
1: Yeah, so I'd rather talk about gratitude than food at Thanksgiving, because I actually hate everything on a Thanksgiving menu. There is nothing on a Thanksgiving menu that I will eat, um, Gosh, I, um, I'm so grateful for life. And I I think this has been such a good year to shine light on things that are important. Um, you know, I, I am grateful that we have our health, but I I think that I've become more and more aware of how grateful I am for just amazing people in my life. I mean, even more so than a great job and a roof over my head. I, I just think that, um, I've been really lucky to just be like to, to just have relationships with some pretty amazing people that have made my life better. They overlook my crazy sometimes. They give in to my like, hey, impromptu wild ideas. Um, and and relationships that have that have stayed intact over the years. So, you know, I think back 20 years ago, I was a provisional in the Dallas Junior League, and um, just about a month ago, we had, I don't know, probably 30 women that met 20 years ago get on a Zoom call. And it's just things like that that I'm mm-hmm. so um, grateful for people and how they've shaped my life and, and influenced. Bruce, you're one of those people. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So I think, you know, probably people more than anything, my family, um, I don't know, maybe that's oh. kind of generic, but it, it, in, I mean, in all like transparency, that's what I'm most grateful for.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. I, I will say, I, I'm right there with you. I, I, was, I think about the network that we have built and the, like the experiences, the experiences mm-hmm. we have when we're in yeah. the moment, having a conversation, and so I was actually thinking about this podcast, how I thought about doing this a couple of years ago. And, and my idea was kind of like, you know, Jimmy Kimmel. I was going to go out with my, my iPhone and I was going to be in your office, a little five minute clip. Hey, this is Bruce. I'm talking to leaders on the street. I just always had this idea and it just wasn't the right time. I was busy with a lot of stuff. And then COVID hit. And I was like, and then I got, and then I learned Zoom and I'm like, hey, you know what? Now's the time. I talked to some people that were in my network. They helped me kind of get things set up. And this has like been like one of the most fulfilling times in my career.
1: Well, I I love that it's been fulfilling for you, but I also feel like this is a time where people need to be inspired and they need positive in their life. And Um, and I mean, you've always just, you know, been so positive and encouraging, but I think even more so during this time, you've brought inspiration to people and, um, I so appreciate that about you.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Okay. I've got a couple more questions uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, this question here, I want to know, like, I mean, you're like you're driven, uh, what, what drives you, what energizes you every day?
1: Um, you know, I, I really think it goes back to the mission. Like we all have to have a personal mission. I, uh, you know, love the mission of our company as well. I'm an Enneagram too. I, I am the helper. And so for me at the end of the day, um, really, you know, getting to talk to people and having that human connection and really with the possibility of helping someone, that's really what drives me.
0: I love that, mission-driven. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Okay, last question. This is like my favorite question that I like to ask every guest. And here's the the question, and and that is this. If Christy, 10 years older, were knocking at your door today, what would she be saying to you?
1: Uh, Oh, wow. Um, Probably keep your passion. Don't sweat the small stuff and wear moisturizer every day. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe just hand me a number for somebody who can do Botox.
0: (laughs) I love it. Oh my gosh. What a great, great time. The time goes by so fast. I tell, um, every time I have one of these uh, podcasts, I say the time's going to go by super fast. So I appreciate you just being part of the show today. If, if someone wanted to like get to, you know, connect with you or, 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 or follow you, how would be the best way that they could do that? Christy.
1: Sure. LinkedIn is great. Um, Christy Linebarger. That's a, it's a mouthful. Just search <laughs> for Christy who works at Match Group. Um, you know, if you want to see our lives and my crazy dog, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well.
0: <laughs> well, I'm to tell you, you are an inspiration. I've appreciated uh, you and just you coming on today and just sharing perspective. I know it's going to help a lot of people listening, uh, in particular, even candidates that are out there looking for a job today. I think you gave some great tips today that's going to be very helpful. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you just sharing that and, and, and most importantly, just your friendship. I appreciate you being on today.
1: Thanks, Bruce. I appreciate you having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. We'll see you next time.